Well, folks, Morris Grah, Ginyani, Gia, Dibsha, Gulder. August Morris Grah, Foster, Tasilagon, Gul Shibsha, Gumoy. Tamisha, Gohuntak. And just reflecting from last week, you know, the, the efforts by the British government and the unionist parties to stymie the conversation on future constitutional change, those efforts have actually brought a greater focus on the growing momentum around the upcoming unity referendum. And the criticism of Antishak, Leo Varadkar, by the British Secretary of State and the range of unionist voices for suggesting, for daring to suggest that a United Ireland will happen in his lifetime is the latest example of unionist and Tory efforts to delegitimatize the goal of Irish unity. In their view, it's not acceptable to promote Irish unity, but this is also cynical. They present it as dangerous, they present it as destabilizing, and they raise a row and they criticize and they condemn with contempt. And that's to make people put their heads down. The intention is to create a re-raw so that United Irelanders will be quiet, so that others who are moving to that position, so that governments and the great and the good will not be uh, engaging as they should, as they're obliged to do on these matters. And it's also to misrepresent Republican and nationalist aspirations as second class. This is nonsense, it's bluster, it's vain outrage. But it won't stop the conversation. Listening and learning makes more sense. 25 years ago, the Good Friday Agreement acknowledged the equally legitimate political aspirations of nationalist and unionist. The talks participants, including the Irish and British governments, and subsequently the majority of citizens in a referendum accepted that the future had to be one based on partnership and equality and mutual respect. The Good Friday Agreement recognised the birthright of all the people of the North to identify themselves and to be accepted as Irish or British. A referendum process was agreed to determine the future. In other words, the people will decide. Who could be afraid of that? The DUP and the Tory government do not accept these principles. That much is clear. They want to delay and to dilute the changes that are coming. But in their hearts, they know they cannot stop them. That much is also clear. The unity genie is out of the bottle and it's not going back in again. In recent weeks, Sinn Féin's Commission on the Future of Ireland has held two very successful public events. One was at the Ploughing Championship last week in Leash. This put a focus on the benefits that Irish unity will bring to rural Ireland. The other event was held in Derry where three women from the unionist section of our community participated in an event billed Exploring Northern Protestant Identities and Culture in a Shared Future. The three panellists, the community-based activists, Catherine Pollock, Catherine Cook and Alison Wallace, are from that broad Northern Protestant tradition. 
The event was very informative, and all three women spoke eloquently of the concerns and of the diversity of opinions and traditions that exist within unionism. Speaking afterwards, Catherine Pollock, who chaired the event, Catherine said that she hoped those who attended would begin to understand the diversity of feeding traditions and culture among unionist communities. And I certainly learned an awful lot from these engagements. There are many strands to Northern Protestant opinion. And the conversations up in Derry arranged across how people can engage and move forward in civic and political conversations. They discussed the environment, a citizen's assembly on education, marching bands, and much more. And Catherine Cook hoped that what they said would provide food for thought. I come in, she said, feeling very nervous, but I leave feeling very good. Alison Wallace said people listened and were very respectful. She described the event and the discussion as a very positive experience. We need more of these events, of these conversations. More, not less. We need honest-to-God conversation. We need proactive listening. And we who are Republicans and those who are nationalists and everyone who's a Democrat must listen carefully and attentively to what our Protestant and Unionist neighbours are saying in all of their diversity. And together we need to plan for the future. Thus far, the Sinn Féin Commission has held eight public events, as well as sectoral engagements. Two more will be held in the coming months. There will be a People's Assembly in Waterford on October the 12th, so if you can be there, check it out locally. And another in Irish, in the Galway Gale Talk in November, August Bay, to in Shin, by Falchamore Rove, Egan Channel Shin, in Ganamara. During a recent visit, I think it may have been since my last podcast, Antishak Leo Bradker met US President, they were both in New York, and Antishak met with President Biden. And he said afterwards that Mr. Biden was very well informed on Irish affairs and that he asked if there was any way he could help. And Mr. Vodker said, I told him we had no specific ask at the moment. Now, Jesus wept. It's little wonder the British government disrespects the Irish government the way it does. And Taoiseach needs to listen and to learn also, and to work with those who are prepared to help, here in Ireland and internationally. I read a wee book there just over the last wee while. In fact, I have a couple of other books on the go at this time, and I'm going to return to them, as I promised weeks ago, when I've got them finished. But for now, I want to talk about a wee book called My Big Toe. And the author is Jim Donnelly. And Jim Donnelly is a spring hallion. His mother, May Donnelly, was one of those indomitable warrior women from the Upper Springfield, my home district, who faced down hordes of British soldiers and RUC officers for decades 
while also combating poverty and discrimination and rearing a good family. These many women are found in communities everywhere. The local ones are too many to name, but I remember them all, and I'm grateful for their friendship and protection and comradeship. I'm always uplifted by the tenacity and the the good humour of these working-class heroines, mostly women of large families, including Mrs Donnelly. It's little wonder then that she has a central role in Jim Donnelly's book. Jim is a community activist from Springhill. Like many of his neighbours, he's also a former prisoner. He did nine years hard time. His life as a community activist is dedicated, again like many others, to tackling inequalities and developing a better society for all, with a particular focus on young people, especially through his role as joint CEO with the Active Communities Network. Jim's journey through Reading was a difficult one. At school, in his reports, he was dismissed as slow at everything he does. He says he became like a ghost in the classroom. I was there, but no one really noticed. In prison, he read a lot with great difficulty. Ditto with his writing. It was a struggle. After his release from prison, he endured anxiety, depression and mental health issues. He then went on to do a higher professional diploma in counselling. And as part of this, he had to keep a journal. And this enabled him to explore his life and his experiences. Later, he studied for a master's degree. Again, more reading, more writing, more challenges. Jim almost abandoned this work because it was too hard for him. But his tutor got him to talk to an educational psychologist. And she told Jim that he was dyslexic. He understood then why he had such a hard time with reading and writing, why school work was so difficult. This gave him the impetus to complete his master's degree, a great accomplishment for a disadvantaged lad from Springhill. Jim is one of the many men and women who succeeded against the odds in all kinds of ways, in all sectors, and our children and grandchildren have done even better. Jim's book, Poems and Prose, came to be published through the efforts of his friend, especially Donny Barclay. When Jim began writing on his phone, he shared his musings on WhatsApp with Donny, with Harry Connolly, with Connor, Louise and other friends and family. Donny thought Jim's work should be published. He talked to Harry about this, but didn't tell Jim probably as Jim acknowledges, because I wouldn't have been convinced. So my big toe was published as a gift to Jim by his friends. Well done, Donny and company. My big toe is a brutally honest reflection on life growing up under military occupation in a large, poor, working-class family in a Republican community in the time of conflict. It is frank about the trauma, the hardships, the indignities the ups and downs, but it's also funny and full of love. My Big Toe is a tale of redemption and it's available in limited numbers from the author at Active Communities Network, Twin Spires, Falls Road. When I actually asked Jim where was the book available, he said, send people to Donnie Barkley. 
So I'm saying yes to Jim. At Active Communities Network, Twin Spires, Falls Road. And finally, well done to the people of Ross Traver and County Down, who last week invited former President Mary McAleese to unveil a bronze statue of Tom, Tom Dunn, the peasant patriot, a local hedge schoolmaster and a United Ireland leader who taught the rights of man by Thomas Paine and the writings of Wolf Tone to local people and local patriots. In 1797, Tom's barn was raided by the British and he was captured. He refused to name any of his comrades. He was ordered to be lashed. He died aged 62 after 260 lashes. Think about that, dear reader. 260 lashes. So, Shin Shin, Shin Mamej, Gunyuri and Talat Maraskra, August Falcherev Bono, just to say, fair play Bono, I'm glad you've put your speak on Irish Unity. Thanks for your work. Keep it going. Gunyuri and Talat Fasta. Slan August Bonner.